their army, who don't know the difference between it and it follows, between they live and they live by night, between terminal velocity and drop zone, between Leprechaun and Leprechaun 3. And then there's Doug Bost and Adam Bernstein, two men who should have better things to do but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. With special guest grown-ass man, Bob Sikoriak. Before we begin, we want to thank Bob Sikoriak for coming on this episode and to note that in addition to his wonderful graphic novel, Terms and Conditions, which we'll talk about, Bob is also the author of The Unquotable Trump, available in your local bookstore, which uses President Trump's best words because he has all the best words against him. 25% of the proceeds from that book go to the ACLU. It's a great book. On to the show. Bob Sikoriak, am I saying your name right? Sure. <laughs> you are. You are. Sure or yes. Yeah, okay. You're saying, you're pronouncing my last name right. I yes. signed my work R. Sikoriak. Oh, okay. But you are pronouncing it correctly, which I think is what you were asking me. Yes, it I was. I hesitated because of that. But also, are you Robert or are you Bob? You may call me Bob. Okay. All right. Um, my family calls me Robert. I go by many names. That's why I use R, actually, because I couldn't decide. My family calls me Robert. Yeah. And my name's Doug, so it doesn't go. make any sense. Thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Um, we asked uh, Bob to be on the show because we're talking about a subject that he has some expertise in. Mad Magazine, Cracked, Sick, Crazy, and National Lampoon. Am I correct? Is that the agenda? Absolutely. That's the agenda. Because uh, we, we haven't really covered these, uh, on Grown Ass Men, we haven't really talked about these kind of um, humor magazines, but rather than like trying to boil the ocean and talk about the entire uh, oeuvre of all of their f- issues, the you know the many different mags, what we thought is, what if we took one month from the '70s and compared what these different magazines were doing in the same month? Uh, what we did is we got four issues or five issues all from early 1974. Yeah. Uh, issues of Mad Cracked, Sick, Crazy, and National Lampoon. And we thought, let's let's compare, like, what do these magazines do at the same time? Are they parodying exactly the same stuff? Are they using the same talent? Is one better than the other? And uh, yes, one is better <laughs> than the other. Bob, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're, uh, what, what you do? Sure. I uh, am mainly a cartoonist. Um, mm-hmm. I work a little bit in animation. And I mostly do uh, comics parodies. That is actually my specialty. I uh, never could settle on a style of my own that was interesting enough to me. And I felt like 
by parodying other comic styles, <laughs> I found a way to sort of enter the the world uh, and maybe bring something new or different to it. I'm uh, I've done a number of different books. Uh, one is called Masterpiece Comics, and that adapts classic literature into the style of famous comics. Oh wow! So, for instance, uh, I've done. Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment as a 1950s Batman story. <laughs> and nice. <laughs> I retold Kafka's Metamorphosis as uh, a Charlie Brown comic strip. Wow. Um, and then uh, last year, I did a book called Terms and Conditions, which is the unabridged iTunes agreement, which you ag- agreed to if you've ever used iTunes. Right. And it's a 100-page comic, and every page is in a different comic style based on a particular comic from comics history. And it's just the agreement that you basically yes. digitally sign in order to use iTunes. Yes, it was <laughs> a it great was, idea. Thank you, <laughs> little so Lulu. You did every page. This oh, is that's beautiful. So We're looking cool, at it right man. now. We're looking at terms and conditions. Every page looks is in a different Snoopy, style fantastic. Of... Oh man, fantastic, man! I love it. Oh, okay. thank you. Uh, so. Your specialty is parody comics, and you love Mad, and you you love those comics. Have your has your work been published a lot in those? It has been published in Mad. Okay. Oh, I, that's I, so cool. Yes, I was. It was a big, it, it was a big deal for me to be published by Mad. That's um, great. And when was it, when? The first time was in two thousand and eight. Uh, it was actually. A, a comic called I didn't write it but I drew it it was called Super Delegate and it was Bill Clinton as Superman trying to stop Obama from winning the nomination Wow! Uh, when Hillary was also running right um, so it was a two-page story and I you know it's it's something to enter the hall of the gang of idiots so I was very oh. I was very excited to do that so that may also color some of my opinions today about the books we've read do you think that Mad had a bullpen style in in the way that Marvel used to, where the people were working together. Or do you think it's uh, is it more like a culture where people submit stuff? Well, they I mean they've always had their regulars and they've continued to have their regulars. And the main editors of the magazine at that time had been with the magazine for decades, so there was definitely that sense of institutional memory. Um, I don't know how many artists actually worked on staff, you know, in the offices. Um, you know, they would deliver their deliver their artwork, which was kind of amazing to see some of the original pages. Right, yeah. went to visit some of the artists' work. I, I could be wrong, at least twice up, which is twice the size of the printed page. It seemed even larger than that in some cases. Right. So the, the work is really detailed and beautiful. Um, and uh, it, it was awesome to go to their offices and see the people there. Um, the art director, Sam Viviano, um, uh, you know, had been there for many, many years, um, and so had John Ficarra and other other of the editors. So there was definitely there was definitely this sense of tradition. Let me see if I am correct on my sort of thumbnail version of Mad. So Mad is a parody magazine that was started in the 1950s by Harvey Kurtzman and then William Gaines. Well, that's. Th- Pretty much it. So it was originally a comic book. Okay. Yes. Um, and uh, Kurtzman was working for William Gaines. I'm probably going to get some of the story wrong. William but... Gaines was was famous for doing EC comics. Yes. And he went in front of the Kefauver yes. committee yes. famously and defended some of the craziest 
uh, horror uh, comics. Right. Right. You know, yeah. and his testimony is like <laughs> I seem to I seem to remember hearing that he was on uh he was taking diet pills, essentially speed. Right. Uh and was not ready to be on television. I think right. he was on television. He was at least recorded. The recordings are are available. Um and yeah, he didn't he didn't do well. But I mean, I don't see how he could have actually. Uh, I would have broken a lot faster. <laughs> anyway, he tried. <laughs> right. So he spoke to all he spoke in front of these senators about yes. Uh, EC Comics. Yeah, what's good taste and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. And, and then left comics and went to MAD, right? No, 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 not or, at all. Oh, okay. Not at all. So um, just back up a little bit. This, this is going to be a very long podcast, but this won't take long. I'll, I'll be quick. Um, essentially, uh, William Gaines was publisher of EC Comics, Entertaining Comics, uh, <clears throat> and they did Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror and those comics. Yeah. And he was doing those with the editor Al Feldstein. So Gaines was the publisher and Feldstein was the editor. They had a few other editors, one of them being Harvey Kurtzman, who was doing war comics. And he needed a way to generate more income. So he suggested to Gaines that they do a humor magazine. Because mm. Kurtzman had done humor comics for Marvel in the 40s, like little filler pages. Um, and Gaines really liked those. So he agreed to let Harvey do another comic book which became mad. So it started as a comic book. Um, first couple issues, it was just funny genre parodies, and then they hit on doing like specific parodies. So they did, I think Super Duper Man was a parody they did in like issue four, and it was like a total takedown of Superman, and that was like kind of set the standard right. for what mad would be. So it's still a comic book at this point, but within a year or two after that, there were all these parody, not parodies, rip-off comic books doing what, what Mad did, including Gaines put out another comic book called Panic, which Kurtzman didn't edit, but was a ripoff of Mad. So they had their own ripoff in house. Wow! <laughs> did Kurtz, Kurtzman worked on on Panic too? No, oh, no. Just Feldstein Gaines. did. It. Oh, okay. But a lot of the same artists drew it, so it looked similar. Wasn't as funny. It looked similar, uh, and it felt the same because it was so many of the same artists. But it wasn't quite as good. So. Kurtzman did uh, Mad as a comic book for about 24 issues. Um, and Kurtzman was getting a lot of attention for this. And obviously, everybody is kind of ripping off his his baby. So he went, I think he went to Gaines and said, let's make it into a magazine. Because he wanted respectability. Kurtzman did. And um, they made it a magazine. And they figured out how to do that. And then it, so it shifted from a comic book into a magazine. Same numbering. It went from 24 Issue 24 was a comic book, and then I think issue 25 was the black and white magazine. Pretty much the format that it maintained for years and years. So he, he um, started that and got that going. And then he got offers to do slicker magazines elsewhere. So he left, which may have been a mistake. <laughs> uh, Mad was, you know, he grew Mad um, and, and, and established it. And then Feldstein, who was the other editor there, um, took over Mad. Um, mm. So so Kurtzman left, and then Gaines, as still publisher, got Feldstein in to take over the editorial reins when, of Mad. Like, 60s, 70s? No, like 58. Oh, okay. I think 56. he left that early. He, it was such a big deal. Hugh Hefner came to Kurtzman and said, why don't you come work for me? We'll, make you, we'll give you a color magazine. And we'll, you know, we'll really like raise the budget, and it'll be a real slick. It'll be, you'll be totally legit. Because <laughs> right. comics were never legit. I mean, right. that's the great thing about them. But so then, check it all. So out. there were a lot of 
ripoff magazines. Yes. In the 17th issue of Mad, the comic book, there's a page where they talk about all the, all the, all the parodies. And I, if I can find that page here, I'll show it to you. But um, it's, it's, like a, it's like a narrator within the story, like explaining, here it is. The narrator in the story explaining all of the different parodies. So by the 17th issue of Mad, they were making fun of the fact that other people were making fun of the same material they were. Bug so house, funny, crazy, I never... eh, flip, get lost, mad, madhouse, nuts, panic, riot, wild. I mean, are these actual titles? Or are yes. they just sort of making yeah, them up? Yeah, they're, they're actual all... titles and they're I've logos. I've not heard a lot of those. Great. I've never heard of panic, which well, is they, kind of funny. There was a real collapse in the comics industry went because of those hearings a lot yeah, of publishers sure. went out of business including Gaines Gaines tried to like keep making comics but ultimately nothing stuck except the mad magazine which wasn't uh which wasn't affected by the comics code so right. Kurtzman actually made the magazine that kept Gaines going I pulled some of these 1974 issues because I remember actually buying them and owning them. And when I re-bought them recently, I was like, oh my God, I remember all these very clearly. And I remember I sometimes learned about the shows or even politics from Mad. Or I really liked Cracked. So we're going to look at that one. What's that number of this Cracked? May uh, 116. And then we've got Mad, number 166, which is actually a pretty famous issue of Mad. Yes. That we'll talk about why that's a famous issue. And then Crazy, number two. Um, it's Crazy, from, number two. Crazy, number two from February 1974. And then Sick, number 97. And I gotta say, you go from Mad, which is really good quality, to Cracked, which is, hey, it's got some jokes and some good artists. and then crazy which is like oh they're just kind of marking time here and then you get down to <laughs> sick and it's like this sucks these things are these comics are terrible yeah I, I took a peek at um, the National Lampoon from the same month April 1974 let's take them one at a time can we start with what in my opinion is the the bottom of the heap sick sick so sick. Well, who was, are they parroting? Adam Twelve in this? Oh my God! Sick is. Uh, for one thing, it was created by Joe Simon. I was amazed at that. Yes. Well, that tells you how prolific these parodies. I keep calling them parodies. That tells you how prolific these ripoffs were. Yeah. Everybody did one. Everybody did. I mean, Joe Simon is interesting because of he, Captain America. Of course. Fame. He he created he, Captain America. He created Captain America with Jack Kirby. They might even argue about how much Kirby did, but. Simon and Kirby were a team, and they essentially invented romance comics. They did superhero comics. They did everything. They threw everything at the wall, and and you know, uh, it, it, comics are like that, especially then when it would just be like, what's gonna sell this month? <laughs> like, what novelty might break through? Right. So everybody tried everything, um, and Simon was still doing adventure comics, and he did Prez, I believe, at DC in the 70s. Which was about the teenager president. Yeah. yeah. So he, again, he was just kind of throwing ideas uh, out. Sick seems like it's, there's so many corny one-liners and Nixon jokes 
there's also some comedy history about like Henny Youngman and Rube Goldberg. Like they're trying to sort of educate you. And the whole magazine seems like it's kind of the, the brainchild of this guy, Fred Wolf, who, I don't know if he's the same Fred Wolf, but I seem to remember a Fred Wolf from the 90s who was like a talk show host, who was like a, who had like a comedy talk show. I bet it's the same Fred Wolf. It probably is. Yeah. It probably is. There is a thing in Sick here that is, um, poems of protest to Governor Reagan. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just love the title of that, but it's like amazing how kids are buying this, but like they're really not aiming for kids. They, uh, in, in this issue of Sick, they have a parody of Adam 12. The TV show. Yeah, called Acne 12. Terrible, just terrible already, <laughs> immediately bad. <laughs> They didn't say it was funny. They said it was sick. That's yes, right. They said it was sick. Yes, exactly. I don't mean to make too much fun. Superman in today's real world is one thing they have. Superman is Nixon. Yep, there's more Nixon stuff. And we're still parody. I just told you about that Clinton Superman thing I did in 2008. It's right. Like Superman doesn't go away. Yep. Eulogies for movie monsters. And even their um, you know, sidekick guy on the cover looks just like Alfred E. It's not even original. Well, all these magazines had their own mascots. Mascot, right. Right. Uh, Mad had Alfred E. Newman, which was actually a very old image, right? Yes. Kurtzman found the image. I don't remember if he named him that or if Feldstein did that after Feldstein took over. But Kurtzman found the image and started incorporating him in the magazine. And it's, then I think... It's from like 1895 or something. Yeah, like it's from a dentistry ad or something. Oh, I had no idea. There's an article, I think Kurtzman wrote this article for the New York Times. It's, I'm sure it's in their archives online uh, where he like traces where he found it and where, where they came upon it. And he may not have even seen the original one, but all this is to say that if Mad did it, everybody else had to do it, so... Of course, I cannot remember this character's name. I'm it's very a, embarrassed. It's um, uh, Huckleberry Fink. <laughs> Huckleberry Fink is the name of the sick mascot. Now, uh, uh, Crazy had their own mascot, which was Irving Nebish. And then Cracked had a mascot, which was the little guy in the painter outfit. And he was called Sylvester P. Smythe. Can I say one last thing yeah, about, about sick that I think is really important? It leaped out at me. Um, and it seems odd to say this, but the the parody, the TV parodies, have hand lettering. They don't mm. have the typeset balloons right. that Mad has. And somehow it instantly signals that this is not at the level of Mad, even though the convention of the captioned, the, the typeset captions is very kind of stale. It still gives Mad a particular kind of, yeah, Outlook and and Kurtzman started doing that for the magazine because he wanted it to look slick. Yeah. He wanted it to look like a step up. And to see to see Sick magazine not using that, it like instantly sort of says, "Yeah, this, they didn't quite get the memo." Did you guys read these? I mean, I know we all read Mad, but like, did you read Sick or Crazy? You mean when I was a kid? Yeah. No, and I didn't even read Mad. You didn't read Mad? No, I mean, I I. It was it was like a lot of things in my life. I acknowledge that they're good, and I just never really got around to them. Right, right, right. All right, so that's Sick Magazine. Now let's talk about Crazy. Crazy. 
This is Crazy uh, number two, February 1974, published by Marvel. So it's got a tremendous amount of Marvel talent associated with it. Yeah, Marv Wolfen edited it, and also Steve Gerber was a, an editor. Right, these are the big yeah, Marvel. Yeah, this one issue people. has, right, Steve Gerber, it's got Stan Lee, it's got Art Bookwald. Yeah, this seems like something, you know, I, I definitely read Mad all the time. Mm-hmm. I would pick up Cracked sometimes. I feel like I might have picked up Crazy just because I thought, oh, it's a Marvel magazine. But I don't, it never, it never stuck with me. But Crazy also, you know, in addition, to, it's also got Neil Adams and Marie Severin and John Buscema. All, it's a, and Roy it, And Harvey Kurtzman. Yeah, well, the Kurtzman is a reprint. The Kurtzman is a reprint of the 1940s comics that he did for Marvel. They also, <laughs> in Crazy, though, on the last page is there's captioned photos, which... I think of Lampoon with that. I, you can easily correct me because I'm not a big Lampoon reader. Well, but. It, it's funny you say that because I don't know where it started, but Kurtzman did a humor magazine in the 60s called Help. It went for five or six years, and he edited it, but he farmed a lot of it out. Yeah. But that had what were called fumettis, which were photo comics. That's what this is, fumetti. Yes, yes. So that was... In America, they were doing that in the '60s. I think he got it from Italy, which is where the name Fumetti comes from. Oh, it's okay. A, I think it's a. I think it. I don't know Italian. I believe it means smoke. They're referring to the 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 puffs of words above people's heads. Right. Um, so Kurtzman was doing those in the '60s, and he got people like John Cleese. I think Gloria Steinem might have been in one because she was in the. She was actually helping out in the offices of Help. Really. So there's all this interesting crossover of culture. You know, Terry Gilliam worked on help for an issue or two. Well, this Fumetti, the photo funnies in the back of this issue of Crazy, is by Vince Coletta. The the photography oh, really? is all by Vince Coletta, and we've I, he's like a legend now. Yeah, he, Vince Coletta was like kind of a gangster, and he always had like uh, girls around. Like he would bring in these kind of showgirls, and so this one, you know, has this kind of you know beautiful girl being analyzed on a. Psychiatrist couch. A psychiatrist couch, yeah. <laughs> so it just feels like Vince Coletta immediately, like right he would, with Tony Isabella. Yeah, too. he would say, "Hey, come in. I'm going to take some pictures of you for the new uh, issue." <laughs> uh, they also have some good parodies in this in this issue. I mean, not great parodies, but they have a parody of McLeod called McClown. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Actually. It's pretty McLeod. funny, and the it's Neil Adams' art, and wow. He's just such a good artist, and he's so good at capturing what people look like. I mean, he really, this yeah. really looks like Dennis Weaver. Now, I could be totally wrong here, but McLeod uh, faces a number of different low-life scum criminals. I think this is, I think the first guy with the long blonde hair is Roy Thomas. Yes. And I think this guy with the beard is Marv Wolfman. Yeah. So they were the, both the editors of the magazine yeah. at the time. Oh, that's um, great. So this is, I, oh, so so Neil Adams is drawing the guys. Yes, as criminals. Oh, great. Now, I, I know what these people look like, but it's really a testament to his abilities that I instantly realized that's Roy Thomas and Marv Wolfman. They're not people who's... 
right. whose faces you see all the time. But I, unless, I mean, I don't think I'm wrong. It, they, no, it's do you agree? Really I'm sure you're like, right. It's so, it's, Definitely. I was like, oh my gosh, like, how did he do that? Did he take photos of them or is he just... He's probably just seeing them every day. Making it's it so up. Good. Yeah, yeah. He's, an, he's amazing. It's interesting because it's, for, for him uh, and also for Basema, who's also in this issue, it feels a little feels a little out of character sometimes a little rushed this isn't their this isn't their main gig but no. by, all, by all that to say they're both like really great draftsmen and like the the craft is really high yeah it, it's the writing that doesn't yeah. work for the yeah. like they have a, a 007 spoof in this one called live and let's buy and it's just not funny it's just it just doesn't have it's just like the same tired setup and payoff yeah panel after yeah. panel after yeah. panel why is Art Bookwald in this? I, I, Art Bookwald has two pieces in that. Three. Three pieces. Three, it's the three-piece uh-huh. expose on, on protests at campus. Right, but it's like, it's like he wrote it for something else and agreed to let... Like, he had lunch with Stan Lee, and, he, and Stan was like, please let us have something. Yeah. And Art Bookwald was like, I've got a lot of stuff. You could have this, I guess. Yeah, I wondered about that. Stan was definitely trying really hard to get out of comics. <laughs> yeah, right. I can, read... you, can you blame him? <laughs> he didn't know it would come around like it did. <laughs> okay, so that's crazy. Yeah. So next up, Kratt! I have, I have a fond feeling for Kratt. Adam loves it. I like Kratt, you know. Who's working on Kratt at this point? Well, Robert Sproul. Who I don't know that name at all is the editor and publisher. You know, Severin and Bill Ward, who we just mentioned, are big artists. I don't know these other names. Bernard Bailey, John Langton. I know some of those names. Charles Rodriguez, Low Linkert. I'm sure you do. I can tell that Bob Sikoriak knows these names. But Bernard Bailey, did he draw the Spectre? At the beginning of the Spectre's career? Wow. I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going <laughs> to say you're right about very, that. I mean, it's very possible that... Um, I'm look that up. Okay. Look it up. Well, let Back me read yourself. this letter from the letter uh, portion called Lettuce from Our Readers. <laughs> Dear Kratt, as a naive young child, I read Mad because I didn't know any better. Now that I've matured into a young man, I've been reading Kratt ever since. Immediately putting themselves on page two, putting themselves up against Mad, and because it because Mad is always going to be the best. I mean, but they're doing the same stuff. They're making fun of 007. They're making fun of Nixon and Spiro Agnew, right? Yeah. Do they have a McLeod parody? No, they've got. Oh, a- the big one is Silly Jack, not Billy Jack. And the thing that I mean, I remember this so clearly, which I guess. You know, just goes to show what's funny to like a nine or ten year old kid is like, you know, Billy Jack would fight people. I guess some martial arts style in the movie. to prove to prove his pacifism. Yeah, something like yeah. that, right? But in this, he uh, will kick people, and his feet smell so bad that they pass out because his feet stink. <laughs> See, that's pretty funny. I just thought that's that was funny. Like, funny as hell, man. On the cover of this issue of Cracked. Uh, the mascot, the cracked mascot, that kid, Sylvester Pete Smythe, he's walking toward the White House with paint and a hammer and nails, and there's a big uh, headline on the cover that says, let's make America beautiful again, which is, he doesn't have a MAGA hat on, but he, uh, 
he, he's making fun of that already. Even in 1974, they're making fun of Make America Great Again. Hmm. Incredible. Yeah, you can't, help, you can't help read all these Nixon parodies and just think about where we're at right now. <clears throat> that was something that really struck me about reading these. Like, they do parody pop culture of the moment, and they do parody Nixon. But a lot of the material is just sort of general, what's funny that's going on in culture? Um, Mad does so much more now with political material than they used to, and so does everyone, I guess. Oh, the other thing that really struck me weird about this Cracked is that it's kind of risky material. Like, there's this whole concentration camp story. Like, there's concentration camp and Holocaust yeah, a lot jokes of in this. Stuff in this one. A lot of Hitler stuff, but it's, I mean, it's like Blitzkrieg, the game of purge. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, but it's really like edgy material. I'm wondering if they, because it was probably geared more to kids. They just threw it in there. Didn't he, the editors didn't even care, right? They're like, "We got to fill up the issue." Yeah, I, I, I think, I think I can feel that in all of these to one degree or another. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, we need three more pages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially in sick. But man, doesn't seem as much that way. They have a nice stable of high-level writers and artists. I mean, if we're getting to mad, well, now, let's get to mad. Let's talk about mad. Number 166, April 1974. So uh, let's start right away with the cover. Bobby, what do you think? I was so happy that this was the cover of the issue that you said we should read because it's the number one Ech magazine. And it's, um, I'm assuming that's Alfred's hand, although it looks probably too big to be Alfred's hand. <laughs> but it is a close-up of a hand with the middle finger up. Flipping yeah. the bird. No, uh, just putting up the number one. And that's right. Uh, it's not what. What are you saying? Is there a, is there another meaning to that? It came out, and apparently, it was so reviled by drugstore owners and uh, people who sold Mad Magazine that they took it off the shelves, and they had a. There's a second version of the cover. That so this issue yes. has another cover that you can get from it, and this is the more rare cover that was pulled, and then, I think. William Gaines wrote apology letters because he thought that people kind of had a point <clears throat> that he was he was a little sorry that he had done it you know his gang of idiots had taken it a little too far and so he he personally wrote hundreds of apology letters I didn't for know this that. for the for the middle finger being on the on the cover of this issue of mad I didn't know that wow but this issue is just it's a little like when we talk about the amazing spider-man you know, you look at all of the stuff that Marvel was publishing at the same time. Yeah. And The Amazing Spider-Man is clearly better than the, the other things. That, because the best product got the most love. <clears throat> and that's kind of what's going on with Mad. Like, they've just got still a real formula at this point. 1974, it's such a formula of parodies and everything like that. But it's really good. It's funny. Yeah. So the, the main uh, movie parody in this one is American Confetti. American confetti, yeah. <laughs> but the art is incredible. It looks just like all of them. Yeah. Ron Howard and Richard Dreyfus. That was Mort Drucker who did most of the movie parodies for years and years um, for, for Mad. He was kind of their signature artist for that. And 
yeah, it's, his likenesses are astonishing. His compositions are great. It's 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 really beautifully done. It's interesting, like all of the all of the EC comics, it's very overwritten. Right. <laughs> Kurtzman Kurtzman was really good at like boiling it down a little bit, but he still comes from that '50s sensibility. After he left, um, they there was no. All the jokes are in the words. I <laughs> just put in as many as possible. But no, it's a real pleasure to look at that at that drawing. And then also in that yeah. issue is Angela Torres, mm-hmm. who does the MASH uh, parody. Oh, which is so good, too. Meshuggah. And it has kind of... It has a similar... <laughs> it has a similar feel in the artwork. I'm not sure if he was directed to look like more, or if they said, well, you already draw like him, you know... Put in some watercolor to make it more like it, but it definitely feels like it's the house style. Now, what's very funny is when I was looking through these, um, I found an issue. I think it was sick. I'm going to double check, but I found another parody called Mishmash. Mishmash. It's a mash parody from 1976, so I guess they hadn't gotten to it yet. And that was, I believe, it was Sick Magazine. I'm going to try and find it now. And it's, you know, I. I don't want to. These guys are all working hard. You know, you want to. You want to give them, give them a break. But it's not quite as good. Right. <laughs> looking at that, looking at the mad one again, it's like, yeah, that's much. That's much better. Better jokes. <laughs> this issue of Mad uh, has on the back cover. It's got a, a Nixon joke. Uh, scenes from childhood, series number uh, thirty-seven. It's another Mad moment from history. It's our floundering fathers. It's a a picture. You know, the classic picture of uh, George Washington having chopped down the cherry tree saying, I cannot tell a lie, but in this one it's Richard Nixon. And, of course, he says, I cannot tell a lie. I didn't do it. Right. More Nixon jokes. The cutting edge of Nixon, Nixon jokes. Um, I Boy, there's so much to say about all this stuff. But one thing that leaped out at me in this mad is, of course, I went to the, you know, you open it up, and the first page is the... Um, is the masthead, and on the masthead, they have publisher, editor, art director, production, associate editors, lawsuits. I thought wow. maybe it was a joke. I thought it was a joke too. It's not. I looked up this guy, Jack Albert, and he was their lawyer. <laughs> Gaines wanted to make it easy for people to find them if they had an issue with, <laughs> the, with and, the, and sue them if they needed to. I guess, yeah. I guess he just figured it would be faster than if they write. Bill Gaines and say, I want to sue. And he's like, stop writing me. Here's my lawyer. Right, I right. have no idea why, <laughs> how that began. It's interesting that we worked our way up to MAD because ultimately none of these other things would have existed. None of the other magazines right. would have existed without yeah. it. And it's almost impossible to see <laughs> it clearly because it was such an institution even in the 70s. Yeah. And so influential that we can't even it's hard to look at air and know what it is <laughs> uh-huh. so we're all breathing it you know yeah so well i think everybody knew what mad magazine was even if you didn't want your kids to be reading it you know <laughs> like right. my, i mean I, i'm sure if i mention this to my dad now he'd be mad of course you know i remember when it came out or you know i remember used to read it he would never remember any of these other ones. Yeah. And Mad is on a whole other level of exactly. popularity 
for good reason, because it's, it's by far better. I mean, I'm really interested in, though, sort of, if we can, move to Lampoon. National, National Lampoon. Lampoon, yes. You know, because I remember buying some issues back then, and I thought it was so much more edgy, like, in a way that I could never even share it with some people. And there's certain things I remember... Well, it was more like having Playboy for me. It was yeah, like, that was ha- like it was adult in a way that was that was uh, forbidden. There was an issue that I had of National Lampoon where it had all like one strip or whatever it was all just curses, right? And it was if someone in it who would just curse and just keep saying every kind of curse that they could possibly think of, and they considered Q-tip as a curse, and. I mean, for some reason, I that has stayed with me my whole life. Uh-huh. Like, why are they calling Q-tip a curse? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've d- definitely Lampoon was a whole other beast. One thing that, again, struck me about this was that there's advertising. And as I'm reading it, sometimes I'm like, wait, is this a fake ad? Oh, no, this is a real, real ad, ad for some rock and roll record that just sounds so pretentious or silly to us right. now because... You know, uh, the new record from Mick Ronson, or... No, I'm sorry, not Mick Ronson. Who was it? Um, <laughs> another Mick. Who was the guitarist for Bowie? The Mick? That's Mick Ronson. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, so it was Mick he, Ronson. I he was, probably put out uh, Slaughter on 7th Avenue that is the, at the time. That is, that is what it was for. Something about the pretentiousness of the ad. Not a Mick Ronson. But yeah. something about the pretentiousness of the ad. I was like, wait, is this a joke about him? Is there some? Was there something going on in the culture? No, this is just his record company trying to be hip right getting in the lampoon (laughs) well he was on main man with bowie and they were he had left bowie and they were really trying to make him into a big star i mean it didn't work out he was on he had the same management as bowie did so i mean that automatically takes it somewhere else as much as like i was saying before kurtzman wanted respectability there's something about having advertising that just changes it a lot. It's like, oh, someone thought to put money in this. But, of course, the reason Mad didn't have advertising is because they didn't want it. They wanted to keep the product whole, and they didn't want to confuse people between what's ads and what's, um, you know, what's parody. What's parody, yeah. Yeah. Um, National Lampoon, they didn't really do parody like uh, like Mad would do. Not to the, the... different kind of humor. Yeah, not to the extent that... that Mad would. What I was more familiar with with National Lampoon were some of their books. So they put out a book that was a parody of a. It was a parody of a Sunday newspaper. So it had a big comic section, and it parodied Blondie and Peanuts and all of the big strips of the seventies. Oh, and they wow. and they put out a book that was a high school yearbook. So it was a parody of that form. But then they would also run comics that weren't parody at all. They were just, the you know very kind of personal comics right. from these different artists. Um, like the Gay and Wilson stuff. Yeah, and and, and uh, Trots and Bonnie is the strip by Sherry Flanagan. And then Jeff Jones's strip, I believe it's called Idol. It's not even funny. It's beautiful. It's slightly trippy, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but it's not, It's I wouldn't call it humor. I suppose it's, Amusing, but it's not. It's not aiming for. It's not aiming for big comedy. It's aiming for beautiful pictures and right. Some thoughtful moments. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, what I remember about National Lampoon is there were boobs. There were. There were always. <laughs> there was always some nudity yes. in, a, in an issue of National Lampoon. Yes. Not on the cover, but there was always like some, uh, you know, photo feature inside, 
and it was always like a humor. It wasn't like Playboy, where it would be like a just about the nudity, but it would be like nude college girls or something like that. I mean, I have to note here that there's an advertisement for Hero and Heroine by the Straubs, the prog rock group from England, who I happen to know the biggest fan of the Straubs in the entire world. And I don't know the that, Straubs. I don't even know that they, band. They were like a folk duo that sort of just ended up going into prog rock. They're really good. <laughs> They've got a, a column here <laughs> called Pat Nixon's Hot Flashes. <laughs> It's like a, it's like a uh, an advice column from Pat Nixon. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, definitely aiming for an older audience. Yeah. I mean, um, I was talking to my brother about Lampoon, and he said that he would go to Lampoon because, as a kid, because he felt like you know it was aimed a little above his head. Uh-huh. And I was thinking that's kind of what magazines do. It's like they're aspirational. You yeah. know, you 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 want to read the magazine to know what the hip people are doing, yes. and the hip people were in college or out of college, and you know. Any other stories or any other things that... Yeah, I mean, I did, I did want to mention Mad. We didn't talk about Don Martin or Dave Berg. Right. These, like, standbys, Spy versus Spy, uh, Prahias uh, was the artist. These people who were in every issue for years and years. And the fold-in, the fold-in. Yeah. Al Jaffe. I love that stuff. Beloved Al Jaffe, who still does the fold-in at 90-some years old. Does he really? He still does it? <laughs> Well, it was fantastic to have you on. Uh, and uh, please, I think everybody should uh, check out uh, Bob's book, Terms and Conditions. That's the full title, right? It's called Terms and Conditions, and it's published by Drawn and Quarterly. Fantastic. Go to their site. And my other books gorgeous. are available there. You just have to see page after page. It's really a beautiful book. Yeah. Anyway, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. That was really fun. <laughs>